You know, Dr. Joel is a great friend of City Church, and he's a hero to me. I always tell people, when I grow up, I will be just like Dr. Joel. He's my hero today. And you know what we do with heroes? We always give heroes a great big welcome. Will you stand with me and give Dr. Joel a great big hero's welcome this morning? Come on, let's welcome Dr. Joel to the City Church platform. Yes. <laughs> I love you, brother. <laughs> All right, go ahead and sit down before I get the big head. My grandmother used to tell me, Joey, don't ever get the big head. Um, I'm so honored. I love being here. I love this church. Um, As Pastor Eugene says, I've been been praying for you since you were a baby church. Uh, And to watch you grow into this phenomenal, um, not only asset to the kingdom, but to the community is just so much fun. Um, and Pastor Eugene and Laura are our very good friends, and, and uh, we just we love what you're doing. And those of you who are here uh, visiting, if you want to get connected to a good church, this is a good church right here. So uh, here's what I want to do. I want to continue. Providentially, Pastor Eugene asked me to preach on the second chapter of Philippians, which is one of my favorite books in all the Bible. I probably refer to Philippians 2 more than I do like any other chapter in the Bible. Um, and so, uh, so keeping with your theme, I want to talk about the paradox. Now watch this. Paradox is a word. You know this word. Para means beside. And dox comes from the Greek doxa, which means truth. So there are two truths beside each other, placed beside each other, that look like opposites, but they make each other even more true. And so we're going to talk about the fulfillment that comes with emptying yourself, the fulfillment that comes from emptying yourself. We're going to talk about prospering and giving. We're talking about, well, anyhow, let's talk about it. Here's, here's, the, here's, the, here's the text. Here's the sermon text. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, Rather, in humility, value others. I want to tell you about this word. William Booth, founder of the Salvation Army, um, in, in 1865, when they were having their first big conference, he was both too old and too sick to come. So he sent his sermon on ahead. The sermon consisted of one word, and that word was others. It. Okay. Above yourselves, do not look to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others, all right? Then it goes on to say, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. The Bible says we have the mind of Christ. Uh, It says, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, all right? Rather, he made himself nothing. The Greek literally means emptied himself. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Now, I want to start out with this. First of all, I want to talk about the the liberation of limitations. I want to talk about how Christ took on all of our limitations and none of our negativity. Can you hear that? I want you to listen to that. All of our limitations and none of our negativity. 
Look at how many just wonderful, positive, encouraging words there are just starting this chapter out. Look at what it says. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the spirit, any tenderness and compassion, it says, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Look at verse 14, what it says. It says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Ouch. See, he took on the limitations without the negativity. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. And then in verse 17 and 18, it says, but even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering, do you ever have that feeling? A drink offering was a, 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 an offering of very valuable wine to the Lord and, and, and just poured it out on the ground. It says, Lord, you're, you're worth this, even if it's totally wasted. Have any of you ever felt, don't you have to raise your hands, but my life has been totally wasted. I, I, don't, feel, I don't feel like I'm making any progress. I don't feel like I'm doing anybody any good. You know, that's called a drink offering. Even if you can't see it, God can see it, by the way. You are doing people good. But even if it were wasted, it would still be an offering to the Lord because that's who you love, okay? It says, it says, drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith. I am glad and rejoice, glad and rejoice with all of you so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Think of the positive words there. The point is, that God gives us limitations, watch this, not for our failure, but for our development, for our eventual success. You don't have, you don't have when you're going through them, but, but afterwards, you are better people for them. Let me, let me give you an example. Um, I heard a story a long time ago about a Boy Scout who was getting her, his badge in like bugs or something, I don't know. Anyhow, he was out. He was out in the he was out in the woods, and and he came across this cocoon. And he had studied his little Boy Scout manual, and he recognized this cocoon was the cocoon of an emperor moth. Ever seen an emperor moth? They have these magnificent wings, magnificent. And it was just his fortunate to come across that cocoon, as that moth was trying to emerge from that cocoon. And there was a very narrow opening. And that thing was struggling to get through that narrow opening. Well, this is a Boy Scout, for crying out loud. A Boy Scout wants to help out whenever he can. So he took out his Boy Scout knife, and he made just a little bit, um, a little bit uh, of a slit to make that opening a little bit bigger. Well, sure enough, here comes that that that. Emperor moth larvae, just, just, just in a few minutes, it squeezed through that larger opening, and it plopped down. And the boy looked in horror because he realized something. Here was this gelatinous animal now with tiny little wings. He realized that that struggle, that narrowness, was necessary to push the fluid into the wings do you understand what God is doing with your struggles? 
You know, he's not trying to limit you. He's giving you wings. That struggle, that narrowness, that limitation is important so that you can become a person who can fly above it all. You can become a person who can meet their potential. It's, be, it's, it's, it's important to, to understand that always having what you need or always being rescued. Uh, by the way, I, I don't want to look like we should be masochists. We should be people who enjoy suffering. No, 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 no. That wasn't Jesus. Remember what it said in 26th chapter of Matthew, where, uh, of Jesus in the garden? It says, getting a little further, he fell on his face to the ground and prayed, my father, right, this is right before the cross, if it be possible, may this cup be taken from me. In other words, hey, I, I don't want to suffer if I don't need to suffer. So just, let's just get this straight. Let's, you, know, if this, you know, if you can take this away, take it away. It's good to be able to pray that. Two counts. Number one, you're just pouring your heart out to God. But number two, sometimes you have not because you ask not. But number three, if you can pray that, then you know what you're going through is part of your mission on earth. That is a very important. So we do, we're not masochists. We don't look to suffer. We don't look for more limitations. But what we have to realize is the benefits to others that our limitations can have. And the benefits to our very own spirit took on all of our limitations, none of our negativity. You know, Becky and I have tried, traveled all over the world, and uh, we've never been to the nice places. <laughs> we've we always, uh, up to the uh, last couple of years, we've, we've always gone to these, this way out of the way. We're always on the mission field, you know, always kind of roughing it. And I remember being in, in one country, and, and I, to this day I can't remember which one it was, but I was talking with this pastor, and they had absolutely nothing. I mean, that all they had was hardship, you know? And, and, but this pastor was the most buoyant, joyous, I mean, grateful person I'd ever met in my life. And so finally, one day, I just looked at him and said, Pastor, how can you have this kind of deprivation, deprivation and be as happy as you are? And this is what he said to me. I'll never forget as long as I live. He said, Christians in my country are tested by hardship. Christians in your country are tested by abundance. I think you have the harder test. Watch out. Watch out. He took on all of our limitations, but none of our negativity. You see, when we don't focus on what we have been blessed with, and we focus on all of the problems we have, and that's what we... Now, again, I know, I know all of us have legitimate problems. We have legitimate hurts that we have to work around. At my age, I go to the gym every day. At my age, I do, do workouts. I do workarounds. Because I've always got an injury. You know, i got to work around it, you know? So I, 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 there are legitimate things that... But, but injuries shouldn't stop us or, or, or make us less creative. And, and, and so these, this... If, when we just define ourselves, I remember driving through Indianapolis and, and stopping at a stoplight and, and catty corner from me, 
I love that word. I haven't used that word in years. Caddy corner from me was this car that looked like, I don't know how many of you are old enough to remember Demolition Derby, but these cars just run into each other and just crush each other until there's only one that can, that's left standing, only one that can keep moving. This car looked like it had been in the Demolition Derby. I mean, it was the worst, the worst. It had big dents in the side. The windshield was cracked. The front light was falling out. And on the front, there was a license plate that said, God is my co-pilot. I mean, that's not good advertising. Who wants to become a Christian with that? I don't I hope he stays out of my car for crying out loud. But that's who we are if we're only the people that gripe all the time. That's who we are. I, I remember a woman came into my office years ago, and she was very, I knew this woman. She was smart intellectually. And she was kind of kicking the tires of Christianity. She's kind of saying, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm wondering if this thing makes sense. But she come in, and she, and she knew the Bible. And she said, Pastor, I want to ask you a few questions. I said, all right. And I love this. I love people who ask me hard questions. This is, this is all part of it, you know. And so she said, um, now you believe that people who have placed their faith in Christ are forgiven for all their sins, right? And I said, that's right. And so they, they, they don't have any guilt, right? I said, that's right. And, and, and you believe that that." God is the judge and, and that you shouldn't judge each other or condemn each other. Leave that to God, right? I said, that's right. And you believe, she said, that God is sovereign and that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called to his purpose. Is that right? She was just quoting scripture right and left. And I said, that's right. Then she stopped and I knew, oh, here it comes. I, I knew here it comes. She said, then why is it that most of the Christians I know are the most guilt-ridden, judgmental, condemning, the world is awful people than you've ever heard? Ouch, that hurts because some of it's true. We need to live our faith. We need to understand all of us are in pain to some degree. All of us are going through struggles to some degree, but it's for our good and it's for the good of the world and it will not be wasted. You're still here because you've got a mission. Let me, let, me tell, let me talk about the second one here. The freedom that comes with struggle. The freedom that comes with struggle. It says in verse seven, um, it says, <clears throat> rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And then it says in verse 17, I love this. Even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with all of you. Sacrifice, service. I don't want you to miss those. Then in verse 25, it says, I think it's necessary to send to you Epaphrodites, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, I want you, to, want you I'm going to come to that in just a minute. Fellow soldier, we're in a battle, all right? And we, we don't need to kid ourselves about that. 
I want you to contrast that People who are on a mission, and that's why I got this. You're, you're still here because God still has something to do with your life. You're on a mission. Even if, even if your mission is prayer and prayer only, that's a mission, all right? God still needs you here to accomplish your mission. That's why we're not up there right now, okay? So all of us are still on mission. And, 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 and what the world tells us is worry about yourself. That's all you need to do. In verse 21, it says this. It says, everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. That's, that's, who, that's who we contrast with. But the point is, if we are soldiers, we're not just servants, we're soldiers. Because the devil wants to take you down by the pleasure trap. Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe this will make me feel better. Maybe this will make me feel better. You know, trying to always get that dopamine hit, you know. And, and the point is, no. What will make us fulfilled is accomplishing part of our mission. That's what will make us fulfilled. I, I, years, years ago, I had an executive assistant um, who, her husband was a Marine. Her sons became a Marine. You remember Kathy. She was, I, I'm telling you, she was more a Marine than all of them put together. And, and, and some people called her my tax secretary. And she wasn't. She just, you couldn't get through this woman if, if, you weren't, if you weren't on mission, you know, because you know a pastor. We had a very fast-growing church. And a pastor just says, oh, let me pay attention to you. Oh, let me pay. Oh, yes. You know, so she knew I just wandered all over the place, and I needed somebody to organize me. And so, and so in, order to get, in, in order to get an appointment, you had to state your mission, state your purpose, you know. Uh, well, why do you want to see him? Is it part of our mission, you know? Well, one day. Unbeknownst to me, unbeknownst to her, this old, my old high school girlfriend called for an appointment. I hadn't seen her in years. And in high school, we were pretty serious. And so, and I don't know how she got past Kathy. Nothing got past Kathy. Nothing. But she must have just said, I'm, I'm just from his past, and I'm here to encourage him, and he'd, he'd want to see me, and, and, you know, I've traveled miles, and, you know, I, I, I don't know how. But I walked into my office, and I saw my old girlfriend sitting there. Becky didn't know about it. I didn't know about it. I'm just thinking, oh, this isn't good. And for a half an hour, it was very uncomfortable, you know, and, 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 and uh, so she went out the door. She said, I'll see you again. And, and I know that she called for another appointment. I never saw her again. I'm wondering if anybody ever saw her again. We're talking Marines here, all right? If they're not on mission, take them out. That's it. That was, that was kind of, so, so the point was that you need people around you to keep you on mission. It's a struggle. It's a war. You need fellow soldiers, but... But we never need to lose sight of the fact that we're here to rejoice, to be grateful, to have joy and comfort and encouragement and strength. When, before I got to Northland, I was the pastor of a very large church in Indianapolis. We were probably the second biggest church in the state when it came to attendance. And we were just 
I, it was so much fun. I mean, everybody was coming, and, and we just kind of had the momentum, you know, the big momentum. And so we had a lot of people, kind of like this church, you know, it's, it's growing, it's wonderful, it's an asset to the community, and it serves its wonderful purpose. And, and so, but I love to stand out in the foyer and just greet people as they were coming in. And you could always tell people who this was their first time in church. You know, because somebody had told them to come and they go, okay, you know, and they would, and they would walk in like this. Oh, I hope nobody asked me what I did last night. Oh, I hope nobody asked me anything about the Bible because I don't know anything about the Bible. Oh, you know, so this guy comes in and he's got that look on his face, that deer in headlights. Oh, I don't know if it's a mistake or not, but he's got a little kid with him. You know, obviously his first time in church too. And he walked past our sanctuary doors you, on, on the way to the kids. You had to walk, go past the sanctuary doors. And, 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 and in our old area was this huge cross. And he looked at his dad and innocently said, what's with the big plus sign on the wall? <laughs> I love that definition. I want you to remember the gospel is a plus sign. It's not a minus sign. It's not about what God takes away. It's about what God adds, even if something is taken away. Because uh, there's this, there this, this story I heard about this little girl who just had one skate. Back when I was a kid, they, you, you, get a, you, get a, you, you had steel skates, and they fastened on your shoes, you know. And she had, and she had one of those, just one skate, and she's going to just going to street. <laughs> Just skating like crazy, laughing, just having a good time. And some lady stopped her and said, honey, don't you know you're supposed to have two skates? And she looked at her and said, yes, ma'am, but somebody stole my other one. But I want to tell you, you can still have a whole lot of fun with one skate. <laughs> I want to tell you something. Somebody done took your other skate. I know. I know you're missing something that ought to be there. I know some of you are operating with one skate, but let me tell you what that little girl knows. You can still have a whole lot of fun with one skate. One skate. Because there's a big plus sign on the wall. And the big plus sign is this, that God has designed us for a service that gives us the privilege of sacrifice for the benefit of somebody else. That's what that cross is. Let me tell you about Luke chapter 9. Look at what it says. It says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must first deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Now, at first, that sounds awful. But think about it for a while. What is your cross? Your cross is whatever costs you something for the benefit of somebody else. Do you know what you will be glad of when you get to be my age? You'll not look back and take great comfort in all the things you accomplished. You'll look back and take great comfort and great joy in all the things you helped somebody else with. That's what really counts. That's the fulfillment of emptiness, taking up your cross daily. And, 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 and I know, here, here's, here's, the last, here's the last one, and, I, and I, I'm coming. I'm, I, I'm, well, I'm going to land this plane in just a second. In verse 2, this is what people, not just principles, 
God sent us people and not just principles. Think, think of this passage in, in chapter 2. In verse 2, it says, Then make my joy complete. Who's my? That's Paul. God sent Paul to tell people about Jesus Christ. And then in verse, go to the next one here. Verse 5, it says, Your relationship with one another have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. God didn't send a whole bunch more commandments because we weren't getting the first 10 right. He didn't even send a, a further explanation so we could understand them better. We understand them perfectly well. He sent a person. He sent a person. Later on in this chapter, it talks about sending Timothy. Verse 19, it says, I hope in the Lord Jesus Christ to send Timothy to you soon that I also may be cheered when I received news about you. It wasn't about rules and regulations. It was about people connecting people. And then it says in verse 25, it says, I think it's necessary to send back to you Epaphrodites, my brother, co-worker and fellow soldier, there's that term, who is also your messenger whom you sent to take care of my needs. See, here's the deal. You wonder why you're still here? God saw us and sent Jesus Christ and Paul and Timothy and Epaphrodites. God looks all around you and he sees people who need encouragement and help. Can you guess who he's going to send? That would be you. That would be you. God sends people, not instructions. People, not just principles. That would be you. Now, I can hear you as soon as I say that. Oh, I can't do that. I don't know the Bible. I'm weak. I have temptations. I give in to them. I'm, I don't, I'm not a, a, a model. I'm not, I got struggles on my own. Do you think God doesn't know that? Here's, here's the thing with God. God not only doesn't care if you feel you're weak, he uses your weakness for his strength. You've, you've, seen, you've seen that, right? In 2 Corinthians, listen to this, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he, this is God, with Paul who's moaning about his weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Every time you say, I'm weak, you're saying, God, use me. Every, you're, you're being recruited. Every time you say, I'm weak, I'm more glad of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I, I, our weaknesses are part of what God uses for people to draw us in so we can know the love that they can know the love we know. Yesterday, Pastor Eugene um, um, texted me. I get this, by the way. I, I preach at a lot of churches now. And, and to, the, to the Saturday, every Saturday, the pastor texts me, got everything you need? Which is French for, you haven't forgotten you're coming tomorrow, right? <laughs> and so he texts me, you got everything you need? And I said, yeah, ready to rock and roll. And, uh, and they're always so gracious. They're such good friends. We love them and, and love spending time together. And he said, hey, you want to go out to lunch? And I said, uh, 
you know, uh, we'd love to, but uh, we got to get to a grandchild's uh, lacrosse game. And I said, you know now firsthand that when you have grandchildren, they're the center of the universe. They, they are the center of the universe. And, 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 so, and so we're texting back and forth. And, and just then, somebody had texted him a video of his grandchild. And he sent it on to me. Here's this little baby just laying in this crib just as beautiful and, and just making baby sounds. And I, I texted him back and I said, what is there about a baby making baby sounds that makes a grown man's knees wobbly? I said, God really knew what he was doing when he came as a baby. Don't tell me about weakness. God uses weakness. I wanted to dive into that video and pick up that child, you know? That's, that's part of how God uses weakness as an attraction. But he doesn't just use it to attract. He uses it when it grows up. And all of us need a spirit to grow up to serve. Let me tell you about our remaining consequence or, no, 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 that's, that's not, benefit of struggle. In our struggle, God makes us more able not only to empathize with others' weaknesses, but more able to strengthen them in their weaknesses. And it's part of our history. You know, as Pastor Eugene said, we're, we're going through a real scare right now with the coronavirus. I got to tell you, as somebody who's lived through a lot of these, I got to wonder when we're going to stop overreacting to all these things and, and just, all, ah, you know. I mean, we've been, we've been, I mean, there was a boa and then there was swine flu and then there was a bird flu and then there, I mean, you, I, you. Let me tell you about our history. In the early days, in the first centuries, Christianity was this small, marginalized group of people persecuted when they weren't being ignored. Rodney Stark, a sociologist, wrote a book called The Rise of Christianity. I don't think he was a believer when he wrote this book. He was a believer by the time he finished. Looking into the reason why, and this is kind of the subtitle of the book, how a small, despised, marginalized group of people could become the dominant, most powerful faith in the world. How did that happen? Here's the two answers. Number one, they could explain to other believers where they were going after they died. That's a big deal. That's probably the biggest deal of all. To have the assurance of knowing that I'm going to be in heaven with my heavenly father, surrounding the throne with all the other saints. I'm going to know everybody. Then I will know fully, even as I've been fully known. That's a big deal. That's a famer reunion I don't want to miss. But here was the second one. You see, they had epidemics back then. Let me tell you, every time they had an epidemic, all of the people of wealth and power ran for the hills so that they could stay safe and decontaminated. They ran and they hid, except for the Christians. They ran toward the sickness. They stayed, and they took care of the sick. 
And they not only took care of the Christian sick, they took care of all the sick. Do you know it wasn't too long before people say, why are you doing this? I want what you got. Do you understand why you're still here? It's not to run and hide. We don't run and hide. We run toward and help. We don't run away and hide. We run toward and help. That's why we're still here. Because people need us. And God's going to use us. Now let me say one more thing, then I'm going to, I'm going to bring in the plane. Um, let me make sure that everybody understands this is to further the gospel. This isn't to make ourselves big deals or to pat ourselves on the back. It's so important to understand that the joy comes from helping people know they're loved by God, that they're helped by God, that he's the main thing. I'm going to get one more story. This is a little embarrassing, but I'm going to tell it anyhow. Let me tell you about the first time I tried to kiss my wife. Now, you know, by the time we had met, I was a man of the world, lots of girlfriends, you know. So I, but I was a pastor at the time. My life had turned around, and the bishop had assigned me to another church, and I couldn't get her off my mind. She was, in, she was a student. I didn't see her very often, but she was in my... So I thought, this is, this is kind of weird, you know, when a, when a pastor calls you for a date. And so I just, it was just a little icky, you know. I, I almost didn't do it. I just spent like two hours trying to decide, should I do this? Is this just too odd, just too yucky, you know? So I called her, and, and eventually she, she agreed to go out with me. Well, we just had the best time. It was, we laughed and just had a great time. Well, it's, we're at the door. You know, it's good night time. And let me tell you what guys think about it. I wonder if I should just, you know, give it a shot here. Give it a shot. So I'm thinking, this, oh, gosh, I'm a pastor. I'm four years older than she is. This is going to be too odd, too weird. Oh, but then I thought, eh. So I just stooped down to kiss her, and she looked up at me and innocently said, let's pray. I was all like, yeah, that was all it's going to do anyhow. Yeah, yeah, that was great. That was almost 50 years ago, and I'm still with this woman. who said, whatever we do, it's got to start with God. Whatever we do, it's got to start with God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for this wonderful chapter of this wonderful book. Help us to be an encouragement. Help us to laugh because we can. Help us to help because we should. And help us, Lord God, to always be grateful for the opportunities you have for us still to be more like Jesus. In his name, amen.